What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. So we actually jumped through a few time zones today to bring you an episode uh, with a little bit of an international flair. We are joined today by the head strength and conditioning coach of the legendary New Zealand All Blacks, Dr. Nick Gill. Now, for those who aren't aware, the New Zealand All Blacks have, uh, quite frankly, been the most dominant international rugby team of all time. So they've won three World Cups. And, you know, since they began actually keeping the world rankings, the All Blacks, have, <laughs> it's incredible, have held the number one ranking longer than all other nations combined. There's some great specials on the All Blacks. I recommend you go check those out. And, and while he would likely tell you that he is just one small part of that process, Coach Gill has been a part of that success in helping the All Blacks maintain and reach peak performance for well over a decade. So what you'll hear today is that the All Blacks face a unique set of challenges each and every season in that the distances that they have to travel, there's no other way to say are insane. Some years they play in Japan, South America, Europe, and it's not uncommon for these teams to have to go 30 hours in a single trip in between games. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what more you really need to say about how difficult that must be in season. So we talk a little bit about how the team works through those challenges. He also, as an individual, competes in Ironman events when he's not traveling with the All Blacks. He's had a few podium finishes and has actually qualified for Kona a number of times. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. And to make this even more interesting, he also farms avocados with his wife. So quite frankly, he might just hold the distinction for the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> All right, folks. So as I always say, and I mean it every single time, thank you to all those who listen and continue to provide such great feedback. I really, really appreciate it. So please keep that coming. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know if there's someone you'd love to hear us talk to. Actually, I almost forgot to mention this. Nick Gill came by way of a recommendation from one of our listeners. So uh, I could not find the message. So hit me up after if you're the one that recommended. I want to shout you out. Really appreciate it because this was an awesome conversation that probably would have not happened otherwise. So thank you for that. And if you are enjoying the show, please do subscribe. Leave us a rating and review if you'd be so kind. And not to talk too much at the start of this thing, but we've got some big news around here. We have made the decision to hand off some of the branding and design uh, to the professionals folks, the people who know what they're doing. So depending on when you catch this episode, you might notice that there's a brand new look and feel. Uh, we're really excited about that. There's going to be a refresh of everything from the logo to the website, all the way down to the Instagram handle. So you can head over to KenGunter.com if you want to check that out, drop us a line. If you want to get in touch with me or follow the show, you can also go to Instagram at our new handle at KenGunter underscore TPA. So again, let us know what you're thinking. We love hearing from you. And uh, yeah, man, with that, folks, let's just get this one started. Please welcome the man his players affectionately call Gilly to the show. Here we go. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. I gotta talk to you. It's time to start. Gilly, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on. Thanks for having me, mate. Thanks for having me. I hope you haven't got you out of bed too late. 
Nah, you know what though? I was just downstairs with uh, the kids. I've got a, a six, a three, and uh, a one-year-old. So I was doling out some goodnight kisses <laughs> before we got this started. Wow! So you're in the midst of it. It's all full on in your house. That's for sure. Yeah, it uh, it's a grind. It's the best thing. I mean, you know, like I gotta I gotta specify that. But uh, yeah, right now uh, there's not a whole lot of free time. So the fact that I'm also doing a podcast on top of my day job might be a little insane, but yeah. uh, well worth it. Good on you. <laughs> and you have, you have kids as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I've got two girls, um, 20 and 16. Oh, awesome. So you're in the thick of it in a whole girls, different way. Girls. Yeah, love my girls. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, I uh, my oldest is uh, a girl as well, and she, uh, yeah, daddy's girl. It's pretty special for sure. Um, well, I- I'm really excited to have you on the show for a number of reasons. One, you know, it, your work with the All Blacks, I think we could we could probably take up the full hour talking just about that. However, I've uh, in looking at your background, I have been blown away by some of the stuff that you've done as an individual athlete. And I, if you're cool with it, I would love to start there. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm easy. Whatever you want to talk about, mate, I'm good. All right, well, okay. So the first one, and you got to tell me if I'm if I'm reading this right. It, it looks like you just biked the length of New Zealand during quarantine. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of myself and <laughs> other players decided we needed some some sort of challenge, so we um yeah we did. I I did 26 hours a week on my bike in in my hotel room. So you know it's about three and three quarter hours a day on the bike. So. Uh, yeah, it kept me sane, although some people think I'm insane. It kept me sane being locked up in a room for two weeks. So, yeah, it was uh, it was good fun, actually. So, you, okay, so you were actually you were in the hotel while you were doing that? Yeah. Okay, because I thought, okay, my, the way I interpret it is that you were actually outside during quarantine, actually going north to south across New Zealand. Well, no, when you're in quarantine, mate, you're not allowed yeah. out of the room. So um, <laughs> unless I was locked up in a caravan or something, being towed by a car, no, I was, um, we were in a hotel rooms on a stationary bike. Um, yeah, basically trying to trying to ride about, what is it in, in your language, about 80 miles a day is what we were doing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you've, uh, you're a pretty, pretty well-accomplished endurance athlete in your own right. How, how long well, have, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I wouldn't say accomplished. So I'm a bit, bit of a battler, but um, yeah, no, I enjoy. Again, I just, I just need something to to challenge myself each year. So I tend to do Ironmans um, one a year. So I've got one yeah. coming up in about six weeks. So yeah, getting a bit nervous about that. But anyway, okay. Well, you've you've qualified uh, for for Kona a couple yeah. times, right? Yeah, last uh, five years. Last five years, I've qualified, but I'm away with the All Blacks during Kona. So um, yeah, I can't, I can't do it just yet. So. Unfortunately, I'll have to. Um, I won't be able to do Kona until I finish with the All Blacks. So, um, yeah, it'll be bittersweet. To be fair, when I, it'll be great to be able to do Kona one day, but that'll mean I'm no longer with the All Blacks. So, yeah, that'll yeah. suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you, you are. I mean, okay, maybe, maybe. I hope I'm not overselling, but you've you've placed a couple times in the Australian Ironman, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I got. Um, I think I was second in my age group a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you know, so I'm a pretty fit old fella. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what what age group? If you don't mind uh, me asking, I, I was forty to forty four. Now I'm forty five to forty nine. Okay, and and when did you start doing Ironmans? Um, I did my my first one when my youngest daughter was born, so about sixteen years ago. But then 
with two young girls sort of um, threw in the towel for a while and and I, I think this would be my sixth year in a row. So I had about a 10-year break. Wow. Um, and, yeah, I'm just one a year, last six years. So um, other than last year, we all missed one because of COVID. So, um, yeah, I'll make up for that this summer, hopefully. There we go. Well, yeah, that, that's one of the things I was interested to understand because, I mean, the, the schedule for the All Blacks, I don't know if there's another sports organization that travels the world the same way that your team does. How how, how do you fit in that sort of training, you know what I mean, while, while yeah. you're carrying such like an international schedule? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, yeah, we, we, travel the, we travel around the world a couple of times a season. So it's sort of, there's a lot of flying, a lot of time zone shifts, um, you know, it's it's hard enough just trying to stay healthy um, without being able, without having to do all the training and, and, and the performance that the players have to get through. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, at that, that time of year, I'm I'm simply just ticking over and just trying to stay fit and healthy um, to nail my job with the team. But um, so then I come home from from being away for a long time, and I just have a couple of months with the family, and then I spend four months getting ready for Ironman. So it's sort of yeah, I sort of chunk the year into into work, family, and and Ironman. So because Ironman's not that compatible with family, unfortunately, it's um it's pretty demanding. Yeah, needs uh needs to take a little bit of a backseat, I suppose, when it's that family time of the year. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Otherwise, the girls let you know about it. That's for sure. Yeah, and how how long are are you actually traveling with the All Blacks over the course of their their international season? Um, well, every year has been slightly different the last sort of decade, but. Um, you know, if, if all went well this year um, and, you know, all of a sudden there's some miraculous changes in, in a number of countries, um, you know, we'd mm. potentially be away from home for about four months. Wow. Um, and that four months, you know, you're sort of home for maybe a week here and there within that four months. Yeah, so you mm. sort of – you're on the road for about 16 weeks or you're doing about 16 different countries. Um, you know, or cities, um, and then there's the odd week home in between to sort of freshen up and, and recover a little bit. So, yeah, she's when, when you're on, you're on, and when you're off, um, you're not. So it's sort of, um, yeah, it's a, it's taken a while to get the balance right for for myself and for the family and stuff. But we we've been doing it for a while now, so we sort of feel like we've we've got a sort of a, a, a good recipe. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. What's it like trying to manage those those travel demands uh, for your players? Yeah, well, it's um, it's interesting because um, you know we all travel with the players, so yeah, you, you have to be very organised before you get there because and predict how everyone's going to feel um, because when you're there, you're feeling the same, <laughs> and so it's harder to make the right decisions. Um, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Lagged, you can't sleep, you know, you're tired. And so we have to have all our plans pretty clear and laid out well before we get on a plane. Mm. Um, and so that sort of, I suppose, experience comes comes to the, the forefront there. You know, I've, I've done it for a while. So we sort of, um, you know, to be fair, the older people are the ones that struggle the most. Um, you know, the, the coaches and the staff are the ones that probably struggle the most with jet lag. Um, mm. and long haul travel and um, whereas the young fellas the, the 18, 19, 20 year old athletes they can sleep anywhere you know they can sleep at any time yeah. of the day any time of the week they just sleep whenever just just it's click their fingers and they sleep so, so yeah. they're generally not the ones that struggle so much so yeah we just put lots of plans in place prior to travelling and then mm. when we, to wherever we're going we just we just run that, we just run what we planned before we got there 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have to imagine, you know, to your point, like it's, you've been doing this every year for well over a decade. Do you have any, um, sort of approaches to travel and jet lag that have, have kind of proven to really at least help the players acclimate as best as they can? And, I, and I'm kind of asking that from a place of um, we've had some some sleep specialists on the podcast before, and you know they're trying to solve the problem over here in the states. The three hour difference, West Coast to East Coast. I know that when you guys travel, it could be like thirty hours uh, between between where you're playing and where you played last. Yeah, I mean we yeah. So I mean we have to juggle we have to juggle the fact that you've just played a test match, um, you know, and and for some of our players that's like. You know, it's not quite as bad as a car crash, but it's it's pretty tough. Mm. They come out pretty beaten up, um, and so we have to manage the the recovery side of that from the from the physical being. Um, the fact that you're you know you're on a jet for thirty hours and then you've got a twelve hour time shift, um, you know, and 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 the, the the kicker here is that you then arrive in the next country and you've lost a day. Um, mm. And so you now have to perform again in four days' time. And we know that it takes about two hours, you know, a, a day to adjust two hours. So all of a sudden oh. we know we're playing when we haven't even acclimated to the new time zone. Um, yeah. You know, we're playing when we've been asleep in, in the, you know, four days ago. So um, the, the biggest thing that I, I suppose I've probably learned through some of our medical staff we've had, had on board is, and it's something that the All Blacks um, – do quite a bit of is that we we don't make it a bigger issue than it needs to be. You know, we all know mm. we're going to be tired. We all know we're not going to sleep very well. Um, just get on with it, you know, and and figure yeah. it out. Um, you can imagine that we're we're a travelling group of about fifty, and you can imagine across that fifty, um, some people no problem, you know, and some people really struggle, and so. You know, we sort of don't talk about it. We sort of don't. We don't. We don't try and you know make a mountain out of a molehill. We sort of just go, okay, we're, we're jet lagged. Um, we're struggling to sleep. Let's put some things in place to keep people awake, yeah, so that they can't fall asleep on their bed at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, mm. You know, and and let's 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 try to schedule our trainings to make the most of the the, the exposure to sun. Um, so all those basic basic things we just try to do really really well. Um, most of it, as I said earlier, is about structure. It's about when you're training, how much you're training, when you're out in the sun, um, and then how to how to keep people awake when they're exhausted because you're trying to reset the the, the time clock. You know, so right. um, it's not overly complicated because um, it can become very complicated, and then you know, then everyone's yeah, their eye off off the prize, which is preparation and and knowing the game plan, and so that's always front of mind. Um, Right. But we do have to acknowledge that, you know, hand-eye coordination, attention span, all that stuff is, is, is hugely compromised. So, um, you know, when we first get on the ground. So it's, um, yeah, not expecting too much early on in the week when we arrive um, and acknowledging that we don't want to overcook people because they're not sleeping well, you know. So so we all yeah. know train hard. Sleep's even more important. So if you're not mm. sleeping, well, we need to train lighter, you know, because we don't want to get you fatigued from training and then add to that fatigue by not sleeping. So you just got to balance all those basic things. To me, it's all common sense stuff. Um, yeah. You know, and and the worst thing is laying in bed and you can't sleep, you know, and yeah. it's the worst thing. But no, there's you, nothing worse than that. I, I just get up and I'll do some work or I'll, I'll do something and then I'll just try not to overthink it. And then when I'm tired, I'll sleep. Um, yeah. 
you know, and, and but I will try to stay up late at night um, to try and reset so I can sleep through. So, yeah, you know, we, we try to encourage people to find their way um, and our players are all pretty experienced at it. By the time they get to us, they've, they've travelled to South Africa, a few, South Africa and Argentina a few times with their clubs and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's normally not too bad. Hmm. And you may have already kind of answered this, saying that uh, the team doesn't like to overthink it. But are, are you using any, um, you know, tracking uh, devices or technology to monitor your guys, or do you just chalk it up and know that they're probably struggling and just kind of plan accordingly? Yeah, plan accordingly. No, you're struggling. We know you're not sleeping. But yeah. how many hours did you get last night? Oh, four. Okay, so we might just take some load off the bar today when we're lifting, or. Hey, let's just, I'll talk to the coaches and let's shorten training a bit because the whole squad isn't sleeping or, um, you know, but no, we don't use any apps at the moment. Um, the guys have got enough technology on their phones. We don't need to add more to their phones. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll simply have a conversation with, with, with them at the start of each week just to check in and, and, um, but, you know, as soon as day one, day two's gone, we stop talking about sleep. You just, just figure it out and get ready to perform. You just, there's, there's no, there's no choice in the matter. You have to perform on Saturday. So, um, yeah. whether, whether you're asleep or haven't slept, we don't care. Perform. Yeah. Well, and, and I have to imagine thinking about, uh, you know, your role when we land in like this this new country, this new time zone, uh, you're probably training in a different facility. I mean, you are. But d- do you know like what sort of uh, environment and equipment you're going to have when you land? Like h- how do you adapt in that perspective? Yeah, well, again, um, we do. We see. I mean, sometimes we're in three different gyms in in the one week. You know. Um, oh, no kidding. Yeah, sometimes we're in a different gym every day. You know. So, um, uh, I suppose again, the thing that that helps you adapt and and be able to deal with that is just keeping things really simple. Mm. Um, so our program is really simple, and um, you know the players um, are very flexible. Um, and you know that's just how we roll. Um, you know, you, you, we have standards that we need to, to be able to train um, to the level we want to train at. So we, we definitely have high standards. But um, generally, um, I don't often go to a facility without having seen pictures or a video of it beforehand. Yeah, um, some idea of what we're going to do. Audit before we go, make sure it's got all what we need. If it hasn't. Um, then we'll buy it or we'll borrow it or, or we'll look at other facilities. Um, you know, we just got back from a stint in Australia back in um, October and, you know, it took us a while to find a couple of gyms that were suitable, um, you know, because we also don't want to be travelling too much, right? You know, like there might be a really good gym, but it might be, you know, a 40-minute bus trip um, there and then right. back. And so it's like, well, actually, I'd rather just go with a CrossFit box that's across mm. the road you know, than a funky high-performance gym. So I'd yeah. rather not travel um, and give up some of the luxuries of a, of a better facility than travel. So they're just some of the things that you have to sort of weigh up. Um, yeah. But, yeah, simplicity in the programming is what allows us to adapt to, to what we have in front of us, really. Hmm. And and when you have, uh, you know, the guys on site in New Zealand in the off-season, uh, does that still hold true or, or there do you have an opportunity – uh, you know what I mean? It's like you said, do some more, do some more of that, uh, more maybe innovative approaches or things beyond just kind of like the tried and true uh, exercises that you have the guys do on the road. Yeah, well, I think the um, so first of all, the All Blacks we actually don't have a home, we don't have a base, right? So I don't have them at oh. all unless we're traveling. really, really, yeah. So oh, I did not know that. Probably the okay. probably the only international 
sports team that doesn't have a home. Um, we're nomads of the of the globe. We every, <laughs> wherever we play is where we stay. You know, so if we're playing in in New York, we'll be there in New York for a week. If we're going to oh, wow. be in Wellington, we're in Wellington for a week. If you know, so we don't really have um, a base at all. Um, you know, we wow. assemble, assemble in one of the cities in New Zealand for the, when we when we first come together, and we're normally together for a week, and then we go and play somewhere. Um, so, so typically the players are with their clubs at the moment. So they're with their pro teams at the moment, um, yeah. and they all have bases. So at the moment, they'll all be doing more complex programming because they have a base and they have facilities and they have all the gear that they require and they can plan forward. Um, and so for for six or seven months, they're in their base um, with their pro team. And then when they make the All Blacks, we're on the road for four or five months. Huh. So when you when you get these guys uh, and, and they're in the midst of their international season, you know, ultimately, what is your goal as a strength and conditioning coach? Um, yeah, good question. Um, I suppose my, my ultimate goal is that they're physically ready to dominate on, on Saturday on the game. Um, and, you, you know, like any uh, sporting um, competition, you know, players come into the All Blacks at, at very various levels of um, physical competency. You know, some are extremely fit when they arrive and some aren't, and some are mm. very strong and some aren't, and some are, uh, are too fat and some are too skinny. So, so really it's a matter of when they're here, we're trying to get them in the best shape possible um, and but but still be able to perform to the highest level come the weekend. So um, it's a bit of a juggling act. But we are, you know, they're fortunate that when we are on the road, whilst we might not have the best training facility consistently, we do have amazing food. We have amazing sleep mm. because we're not at home with the kids. Um, oh, yeah. We're, we're in the pool every day because the hotels have pools. Um, we're getting massaged two, two times a week. We've got all these amazing things around the environment that allow us to train really hard, recover really well. And, and so what we see is physically players get better through our season. Um, huh. You know, so which is, which is sort of probably, you know, goes against the norm where in competition season, typically athletes lose condition. But Right. Um, you know, we, we train really hard and we recover really well and we've got all the luxuries of living in a hotel. Huh. Um, and, and so I think, you know, players will get, you know, two or three hours more sleep um, in, in the environment per night than when they're at home if they've got young kids, you know. So, and... Uh, and, and, and I, I laugh because I've just... Oh, the, the, the good nights of sleep are far and few between. That's right, you know. So you can imagine if you're an athlete and that's what it's like every day. Oh, home. yeah. She's tough. Um, so you make the All Blacks, and all of a sudden you're getting three or four more hours sleep. Oh, happy days! The the body loves it. So right. yeah, we see. So my that's my goal pretty much, and I work pretty closely with the coaches and the athletes to try and figure out how we how we balance the workload with the performance and the recovery. So um, yeah, we've got a good team of staff, and and you know because we are living together, that helps as well. You know. Mm. Um, our staff all know exactly what each player's where each player's at and what they need. And you want to you want to have a conversation. You don't have to talk on the phone about it. You just you know you just have a have a chat at lunch or at breakfast or at dinner because you're just living together. So right, yeah, some definitely some 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 benefits of being on the road. Yeah. Well, and uh, one of the things you mentioned was uh, do, getting in the pool. Are, are you having your guys do pool work um, as a form of training, as a form of recovery? 
yeah, mainly recovery. But um, oh, we do the okay. old hypoxic session, you know, breath hold and stuff. Um, mm. But mainly, mainly recovery um, because you know we've got big boys. Yeah, I was, I was doing, I was fitness testing some of them this morning, and you know we've got some whopping, whopping hunks of meat. You know, like probably the average weight of the guys today would have been. I'll try to put it into pounds. Uh, 280, 320 pounds. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's big, some horses, some big, big boys. boys. <laughs> and and, and they're running, you know, not like NFL. These guys right. actually run six, seven, eight kilometers, so five or six miles in a game hmm. or in a training, you know. So you got 300 pound guys running, you know, four or five mile. Um, and, and that's in training. So so we need to unload the body and, and recover to do it again the next day. So we need to unload the body, get a bit of gravity, going, you know, to uh, taken away. And, and and water, we we believe, is, is hugely important. So, you know, yeah. um, active movement in the water and, um, and cold water or ice immersion um, mixed in with some hot exposure, spas or saunas. So uh, we, we sort of do that every day. Oh, wow. Well, and, and that's what I was going to ask you, you know, like say you land in a new city and you've got seven days. I mean, how many days within that week are, are your guys under the bar, you know, and, and how many days uh, well, we, do you have? Oh, go ahead. If we, um, a typical week, a typical week, if we have only had a few hours travel, um, we'd have a couple hours lifting on Monday, hour and a half lifting Tuesday, hour lifting Thursday. So yeah, what's that? I don't know. Four and a half hours of in the gym, five hours in the gym. Yeah, yeah and and w- when you're when you're working these guys out, um, understanding it's in season and these crazy travel demands. Are, you know, do you do you split it up or do you do whole body? Do you does it vary? Yeah, it varies. Um, varies quite a bit. Um, oh, okay. It depends on you know the position, um, what the player needs. You know where they're at in their season and their physical development. You know where their strengths and weaknesses lie, injuries, all those sorts of things. But um, yeah, typically you're, you're, we're looking at a um, you know a heavy lower body hit once, an explosive dynamic lift once, um, and then another session that's sort of probably about needs. You know whether that's hypertrophy, um, you know, mm. or metabolic conditioning, or um, more strength. Um, you know, upper versus lower versus um, injury prevention. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the themes are pretty much the same, but, yeah, the content of the sessions vary across the positions and across the individuals. Yeah. Well, and I, actually, that, that's one of the things uh, I, I definitely had written down that I want to talk to you about was injury prevention. And, you know, like my assumption was given like the travel demands, you're in season, just how violent that game is, a lot of it would have just been, you know, maintenance. Like, hey, let's just keep these guys close to a level that they started out at and uh, so they can get back on the field on Saturday. So it's awesome to hear that they're actually making gains over the course of the season, which I think will probably be surprising to a lot of people. Um, But how how are you you approaching injury prevention uh, uh, in the weight room? Yeah, I think um, my philosophy around injury prevention and I suppose – Maintenance, as you call it, um, has changed over the and years. And if I was wrong by calling it maintenance, please feel free to. No, no, you're, you're absolutely on the money <laughs> because that's that's what that's what we see um, around the globe and across sports as as people, um, you know, athletes or staff thinking that in season is a time to to maintain. Um, mm-hmm. 
and if and if that's your goal, then what actually happens is you decondition. You don't maintain. Mm. You know, like um, and as an older athlete myself, um, I know that as soon as I pull back a little bit, that's actually when I lose condition and get hurt. Um, hmm. So, so um, I suppose you know how we approach it um, for right or for wrong is you know we 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 train hard and hmm. our volume changes, but our intensity stays up. Um, you know, I think injuries come about through deconditioning and um, lack of um, clear programming. You know, a lot of hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of athletes will develop an asymmetry just just through playing, just from carrying something that's a little bit niggly and then they get hurt, you know, and and it's and rather than wrapping people in cotton wool where all of a sudden all you're doing is getting injury upon injury upon injury, um, I think we need to be far more accurate with our prescription. Um, we hmm. need to keep an eye on asymmetries that develop through through little niggles um, and and be really clear on what are the, the, the common risks of injury for what athletes and what positions um, and make sure we constantly trying to strengthen those areas um, because it's proven that strength is key to hmm. uh, reducing injuries, especially in a contact sport. Um, you know, and even in a throwing sport, you know, like baseball, for example, strength's massively important. Um, you know, you're going to put your, your body or your joints through certain, you know, frequency of efforts or, or through certain loads of, of movement. And if you lose strength or you're not strong enough, you you gradually wear down and you'll get hurt. And so, yeah. you know, we, 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 get, we get physically better through a season. Um, it's not through smashing people. It's through just being smart and, and working individually on where people are at um, and understanding the training load and the recovery um, importance. Um, you know, you learn a lot through endurance athletes as to how to manage all that, you know. Um, endurance athletes don't just smash themselves day in, day out. You know, it's periodized and and just like our week in rugby is periodized, you know, we have each session should have a purpose. Um, each athlete should have a program around them that ensures that their injury profile is 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 perfect and their risk is reduced in in all way possible. Um, and we shouldn't be seeking to maintain, we should be seeking to to get better physically. Mm. Um, you know, because what's the point of maintaining and then reaching the finals and being a bag of shit? Yeah, you, know, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna reach the finals and and be physically dominant, so that you well, win the finals. So you mentioned, you know, you might cut back volume. I mean, I guess is it intensity then that's like the critical component to keep these guys uh, not only like truly maintaining, um, but actually getting stronger over the course of the season, or is there something else that you're paying attention to when you are? Uh, mapping out your plan for the guys um, that is like critical to keep the progression. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a few things. It's a few things. So definitely um, early on in the season, the volume is higher as we're trying to learn about how we're going to play together and 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 develop a game plan and game understanding and things. So so volume is definitely higher um, as we're progressing through the season and and, and we we're, we're hitting some numbers and we got some clarity how we're going to play. You know, intensity starts to ramp up and volume starts to come down a little bit. Um, absolutely, that's that, that are two things that occur. Um, frequency to me is a really good way of making gains. You know, if we talk about a runner trying to get fitter for a marathon, they don't just run twice a week. You know, they run mm. seven times a week. 
you know, frequency of exposure or of, of that training stimulus is what makes you get better. And so, you know, we might reduce volume, but we might squat three times in a hmm. week, you know, um, and the load on the bar through that squat will change, but we might squat three times a week. So we make gains. Um, we squat once a week, wow. or we just maintain or go backwards. So it's about being a little bit smarter around some of that stuff. Um, and then also the other thing that I think is really, really important is, is you know, I'm at every session, whether that be gym or field, and, and I think watching your, the athletes moving and and even how they are in meetings, um, you can get a bit of a feel for where individuals are at, you know, from from body language and, and maybe how they're moving mm. on the park um, in certain positions or in certain moves. And and so some of those observations you take into a conversation to, to map out where that athlete's at and, and where we might need to go. So um, collaboration with the athletes is pretty important. Um, some of them think they know it all, but, but some of them just want some help and want to be part of the solution. And, and it's just about understanding each of those individuals and trying to figure out the best way forward. And some will just do what you tell them to do. <laughs> um, and some of them will challenge you. So it's sort of, yeah, it's just getting that balance right between, you know, where we're trying to go and what they think and what I think and what everyone else thinks and making it really clear and easy. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about squatting a little bit and I've got a couple of questions for you, but I always think this one's interesting. Squatting is, um, a contentious issue, I feel like, within the strength and conditioning community. There's those that feel it's a, a staple of their program, right? And there's those that feel it, it should have, uh, you know, a true like bilateral squat doesn't have any place in sport anymore. Um, you know, for your perspective, it sounds like it, it's still a critical component of your program. Um, you know, it, I guess, you know, why, why is it so critical for you uh, in, in getting your guys ready to perform at a peak level? Yeah, um, it's a good question because you are right. There is there is a little bit of debate, I suppose, different philosophies around. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I suppose um, when I started in rugby, um, no one did leg weights, you know, so it was it was only about 20 oh, really? years ago. Yeah, yeah, well, well, at least the, the, the backs, the, the, the speedsters didn't do leg weights because they got sore legs, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I've been around since then, and and so there's been a bit of a shift where we then were like, well, actually, we need to get you stronger through your lower body to keep you on the park to avoid to avoid um, you know getting hurt, but also to enhance performance. So, so squatting became sort of a a staple, and then and then sort of this this idea that you know people hurt their backs and this that and the other thing. And I suppose for me, um, you know, it's a collision sport. And we, um, I, I believe that we need to be very strong through our trunk, okay, through our middle. Okay. And when I mean really strong, I don't mean like, oh, I can do a plank for five minutes or I can do thousand uh, sit-ups. I, I mean be able to run towards a brick wall with your head down yeah. And, yeah. And, hit, and hit that brick wall and not come off second best, you know. And yeah. so if you are soft and, slop, uh, soft and sloppy through your trunk, um, you'll get folded in half and you'll end up in a pile of pile of bones and you'll be hurt some way. Um, mm. Now, I'm exaggerating things a little bit, but but I think that the squat has a really good, um, I suppose, general benefit to axial loading and trunk strength. You know, if you're mm. not strong through your pillar, through your middle, you can't squat, Okay. And oh, yeah. so, so, yes, there's all these other variations you can do. And I'm a big fan of unilateral strength, so single leg work. Um, 
Yeah, so I wanted we, to ask you about that as well. We, 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 you know, we, we all squat, but we all smash single leg because so much can be hidden in a squat. You know, you can have one really dominant leg when you're squatting and the other leg just gets just gets cut. You don't even notice that it's weak. So, mm. you know, we've seen that in the past where someone has only done bilateral strength and then they develop a groin problem and then it's all of a sudden it's like, well, how come that groin's so weak, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But it gets covered up in the squat. So we, we definitely do a lot of unilateral as our secondary movements to our bilateral focus, which ah, is okay. squat. Yeah. Um, so if you squat, you also lunge or step up or – um, you know, any of those uh, Bulgarian split squats, all those other single leg variations, um, everyone does them as well. Um, you know, so so for me, it's, um, you know, we are, we are pushing, jumping, sprinting athletes. And so mm-hmm. area chain, triple extension is massively important. And so squats are a fantastic way to get that, um, as well as getting the benefit of that axial loading and that strength through the spine. Yeah. Uh, which you might not necessarily get as much from um, in unilateral lifts because you're not lifting the same amount of weight. Hmm. So why, I I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and you mentioned this before, is this this issue of asymmetry, right? Either because of injury or, you know, I guess just someone's natural biomechanics. Um, How do you go about addressing asymmetry in the weight room? Or, or do you, you know, do you do it? Is it that much of a, like a conscious effort uh, to address that for your players? No, I think for me, it's probably more, um, you know, so long as we're doing unilateral exercises, then the asymmetry becomes really clear to to us, but more importantly to the player. You know, mm. so if, if the athlete's got, you know, incline dumbbell press prescribed and uh, trying to do 45 kilo dumbbells, um, and one side feels really good and the other side doesn't, well, hey, there's an asymmetry, okay? So is, is there pain or is it just weak? Um, and let's make sure that we're trying to get at the same strength as the good side. Um, if there's pain, what do we need to, you know, what's the diagnosis or what do we need to do to remove that pain while still getting you stronger? So um, I think the asymmetry, it's not a conscious focus. It's more uh, making sure that they are exposed by doing single limb work. Um, I think that's the key. Hmm. And is, is that, um, like a means of injury prevention? Totally. Totally. Like I, I yeah. believe that most of the, most of the gym work we do is about staying whole. Yeah. Mm. Getting strong should be, is, should be about, um, you know, there's an element of, of being able to express yourself physically by being strong and powerful. Um, but in a contact sport or even in a sport that requires lots of repetition, um, you know, whether that's scrummaging or jumping and landing, um, you know, you need to be strong to tolerate that load, express and produce maximal force quickly, um, but also um, hold up under collision. You know, like you've mm. got, if you're, if you're a 300-pound athlete and you're running as fast as you can at two 300-pound athletes, if you're weak, you just get broken <laughs> in half. Right? So, so it's, it's injury prevention absolutely all day long. Um, yeah. And when I was younger, I thought it was all about performance, you know, but they both go mm. hand in hand, you know, like injury prevention enables you to be, to improve performance because if you're injured, you can't practice the game. Yeah. So by being, by being healthy, you get to be on the practice field every single day, practicing your skill, learning the game plan. Mm. As soon as you're injured, you're actually getting, becoming a worse athlete because you right. can't practice. 
Okay, so everything in the gym is, should be about improving uh, or decreasing injury risk and therefore improving performance. Got it. How, um, and we're, we're coming up on time here, but, uh, you know, just I, I think this is something a lot of individual athletes probably struggle with, and I'm sure as well as strength and conditioning coaches. Um, you know, how do you train athletes through an injury? Because, you know, I, I suppose there could be benefits to rest, but there's also cons to giving someone rest or training one side versus the other. Um, you know, how do you approach that? Because I imagine, you know, given, like you said, just the sheer force and amount of contact and collisions that these guys endure, it has to just be like, you know, uh, an everyday part of the job. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think, um, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have a fantastic physiotherapist, a physiotherapist that I work with, Pete Gallagher. Um, okay. He's he basically is um, yeah, anyone that's injured becomes his sort of responsibility, um, and him and I work pretty closely on what what's required physically, um, mm. but we also know where the athlete was before they were injured, and therefore where we need to get back to. Um, but it's all about function, being functional. And so, you know, if you're injured in the all-black environment, you don't have any days off. You know, even on the day off that the team get, you're in the gym um, mm. getting getting rehabilitation done um, or cardiovascular fitness done um, so that, you know, when you come back, you're ready to rock and roll. Um, yeah, unfortunately, if you are injured and it's going to take you a while to come back, you, you leave the all-blacks and we would bring someone else in. Um yeah, but the biggest thing I, I notice in injury is the mental side of it. Um, it's a, uh, the biggest challenge is, is mentally how to ensure the athlete is coping. And 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 I think that Pete's very good, really good at that. Um, you know, it's really about being um, – it's that they're already, already feeling bad because they can't play the game they love. Um, they already feel bad because they're giving someone else an opportunity in their spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's already pressure to come back. Um, you know, so mentally, I think that's probably the biggest challenge is, you know, we always forget that as S&C coaches, how important um, the mental side of injury is. You know, you, we need to pump them up. We need to make them feel good, not not make them feel down a bit, down, down and out. Like we need to sort of, you know, if, if we get the mindset right, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a benefit to the speed and quality of the recovery of from injury if, if upstairs is, is in the right place. Yeah. Do you, um, and I imagine you might even have someone else on staff who could, who might handle this, but uh, did you do much in the way of like mental skills training with your athletes? No, I mean, I don't, we've got a, we've got a mental skills person that's with us. Ah, He's our assistant manager as well. Um, So yeah, he does a lot of team stuff and the odd individual intervention, you know, around stuff like this. Um, Mm. So yeah, definitely. If someone's injured, we straight away get circle the wagons and, and figure out a pathway back um, with the athlete. Um, key staff will meet with the athlete and we'll figure out how to, you know, what our what our sort of um, checkpoints are and and you know what the what the map to return looks like, um, just to make sure everyone's aligned. But also the athlete feels really confident in the plan and has a chance to 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 contribute to the plan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so so yeah, we definitely. We definitely put a bit of time and effort into that space. Yeah. With a few minutes left, I would uh, be really upset with myself if I didn't ask you about avocados. <laughs> I, it's it's been brought to my attention that uh, you are an avocado 
uh, what, what's the right word here? Not expert, farmer. but uh, a, farmer. A, a farmer. There we go. <laughs> now, how, how did this come about? Because it's not like you don't have enough on your plate already. Yeah, good question. What happened is um, um, my youngest daughter loves animals, and we were living in a place, in Tauranga, which is a place in New Zealand, and we were in a, just a normal size section, and she, she just fell in love with animals. So we just one day randomly said, oh, maybe we should go look at some land to see if, you know, see what's out there. And by the end of the weekend, we put an offer on in a house and um, and basically bought some land. And, and, and it so happened that, um, yeah, it was an avocado orchard. So, yeah, we've got about 220 15-year-old trees. So oh, you, you, wow. got, you, you guys are acres. You're in acres over there, aren't you? Acres? Yeah. yeah so we've got yeah. about 10, 10 acres of avocado trees. Um, how how obnoxious, obnoxious is it that every time you talk to an American, you have to convert everything to our standards so that we can understand yeah, yeah, yeah. it? Yeah, well, if I said it in our, 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 our units of measurement, you wouldn't understand me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, pre- I appreciate your patience to do yeah, it. Yeah, so teenagers of avos, and yeah, they're about 15 year old trees. So, yeah, most trees have maybe, I don't know, um, three or 400 avos, up to 1,000 avos per tree. Yeah, so a big wow. tree. Yeah, ten meters by ten meters a trees are. Yeah, That's massive. unbelievable. So yeah, no, no, I love it. It's not really it doesn't. My wife's more the farmer than me. I just sort of eat them. Oh, well, hey, that's not a bad gig either. Uh, yeah, exactly. uh, well, hey, th- let me let me ask you this, and this one selfishly is for a friend. Given your background in endurance as well, this can be the last question. If if you um, for someone who wants to like run their first like endurance event, half marathon, marathon. Any initial uh, initial advice, low hanging fruit, no pun intended. Uh, some some like piece of advice for them as they're starting uh, that journey. Well, um, good 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 question. Um, yeah, see it all the time. People decide they want to do something and then they hurry. They hurry. They're mm. in a hurry to do it. And I think the best piece of advice would be walk before you can run. And I mean okay. that. I mean that literally. You know, like. Um, you know, start off really slow and progress really slow. Um, you know, walk, jog at an intensity where you can still talk and get the body ready to do the work before you worry about the lungs. You know, like um, get the joints oh, okay. ready to do the work, get the get the calves and Achilles, you know, familiar with the work. Do all that really slowly um, before you worry about the lungs. So hmm. being able to talk when you start is key, I think. Um and especially as we get older, we need to take our time slowly building up as we're older and older and older because that's what yeah. we get. So, um, and, and does that go hand in hand with the frequency piece of it too? Totally, totally. Like, um, you know, little, little and often is probably way safer um, mm. than, than lots twice a week, you know. Okay. Um, you know, and so you, so I think that's probably the key piece of advice is walk before you can run and, and, strengthen the body for whatever it's doing by just gradually progressing. Um, and yeah, you should be able to achieve anything. Perfect. Well, I think that's a, that's a great place to wrap it up. Um, Hey, for, for folks who want to follow what you're doing, obviously, uh, the all blacks are, are, are pretty easy to follow, but if they want to follow you specifically, uh, where can we direct them? Probably just Instagram. Eh? Um, oh, I've got a website, nickgill.com. And um, Instagram, Nick Gill Health and Performance. So, um, yeah, if, uh, if anyone's got any questions, they can reach me on those two platforms. Perfect. And I'm looking forward to diving into your book as well. 
Yeah, oh, good. Yeah, no, it's, uh, was, we, I've had some good feedback about the book. It was a, it was good fun to do, and I've helped quite a few people through it, and still get people emailing me about you know about the book. And actually, had the new, one of the um, district health boards contact me the other day. They want me to help people get fit for surgery. So, oh, um, amazing. Yeah, so that's come out of the book. Is the nurse read the book, and she's now gone to her superiors, and now they want me to help get get um, patients ready for for surgery. So, so yeah, oh, the wow. Book, the book's reaching lots of people, which is great, which is great. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I mean, what an incredible impact uh, yeah. that pursuit alone would have. So, yeah, very, very cool. cool. Well, awesome, Coach Gill. I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll have to have you back on in the future at some point. Sounds Best good. Best of luck. Best of luck with the season. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You better go ask mommy, daddy. <laughs> Sonia, welcome to your segment of the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the warmest welcome I've ever received. Hey, welcome aboard. Happy to have you. Welcome to your own house. I'm honored to be here. Yeah. So uh, we've had some good accents the mm-hmm. last couple episodes. Yeah, we have. I think the Is real... he from New Zealand or, or Australia? Uh, oh, I believe New Zealand. Okay. Born and bred, okay. I think. Okay. I could be wrong. He lives in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, the New Zealand accent might be among my favorite. Yeah, if that's what his was, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just. I always I, just think of Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords. Yeah, yeah. New Zealand. You know what is it? The prettiest girl in the room. You could be a part-time model. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> gotta love the Flight of the Concords. You know what? I uh, I was actually tell me this. So knowing that we were talking about New Zealand, how many times did you think about Lord of the Rings? Actually, not podcast? very much. Okay, okay, wait. So not zero, but just not very much. Yeah. Not, <laughs> I just thought like, oh, New Zealand. Lord of the Rings. Okay. So you didn't miss like tens of minutes of this episode. Thinking about Lord of the Rings. Going down a deep rabbit hole. No, no, I didn't. Okay. Not this wow. time. Okay. Wow. Well, uh, this, the, the professionalism of the show is on the up and up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I try not to multitask when I'm Wow, listening. thank you. Yeah. You take your role very seriously. I do. We appreciate that. Yep. Um, so this actually is relevant. I feel pretty crummy today. You do. And I think I might have just had a smoothie in an effort to make <laughs> myself feel better uh, that was just completely filled with plastic. Yeah. And now I'm struggling. <laughs> but I'm not going to let it get me down because... Do you want to explain why it might have been... So we have we have those daily harvest smoothies, and not a sponsor, but they could be. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but they're like might have somehow gotten some of the plastic lid thing in there somehow. I so don't know. I'll tell you the thought process. I I took my first big. But there was a lot of plastic in there. I took my first big swig. And you still drank it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this coconut is really tough to get down. And then oh no, you as co- I was drinking it, I was like, I don't think this had coconut, and it didn't. And then I realized what I was. Swallowing definitely was uh, not edible. But uh, in true fashion, rather than dump it out and make another one, I just decided to sift through <laughs> the smoothie and try and salvage what was left. And then I got impatient. But you had already drank half of the plastic in there. So I would say the majority of the plastic was probably ingested after the realization, if I'm being completely honest with our listeners. That might be more telling about my personality than anything. The laziness. Waste not, one not. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Frugal. Never mind. Frugal. Yeah. That's actually uh, much preferable. So, but I'm not going to make excuses because, great transition, we both had the same takeaway, right? Yes. About his approach to jet lag. Yeah. 
Do you want to talk about Because you had a good take on it as well. Um, well, my favorite thing you said was, whether you slept or not, we don't care. Perform. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. It, so this... I was just like, yeah. Just like go out and do your job. Stop being babies. Yep. Like making excuses. Yep. Like everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Get out there. I mean, rugby players are like another level of badass. So I feel like he, they're just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. And this, this, you know... It kind of makes me think like we, we've talked to other sleep specialists, uh, one of which was kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, the stuff we have in our labs is really useful. But as far as like players on the road, like the stuff is not quite that accurate yet. Mm-hmm. And also it's kind of like, well, what are you going to do with that information? Yeah. And like, yeah, it's like they've got a terrible schedule. It's hard. Right. They, the time change, the jet lag, it's hard. What are they going to do about it? They're yeah. not going to they're not going to postpone the game because they're sleepy. Exactly. And no, no manner of like technological advancement is going to tell them something they don't already know. In which case is like, yeah, you just traveled 30 hours in between games. Yeah. You guys are exhausted. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you just kind of have to, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, man up. Yeah. Or as my uh, hard ass wife would say, <laughs> don't be a baby. Don't be a punk ass bitch. So I'm all for like in your normal life, getting, mm-hmm. making sure your sleep is as efficient as possible but right. like in this situation what else yeah, can you do but just say buck up yeah buck up baby no i agree and i was like yeah okay that makes yeah, a lot I loved of sense it. i loved it uh and also it's kind of just like the reality of what their schedule is always going to be mm-hmm. it's like wasting any time worrying about it is not going to change the fact so this is like the all blacks mm-hmm. play in the off season like after their yeah so it's it's like the international team so the yeah. same so if you like you know soccer right mm-hmm. uh the US puts together a team but like when when that, they're not playing on like their international team they're back playing with their own like professional league gotcha you gotcha, know gotcha. soccer there's a professional league all over the world uh rugby there is two but i think to a lesser degree but yeah mm-hmm. so they're off with their professional teams and then they come back but i just assumed that they had some sort of home base, like that yeah. they got these guys for like a month, three weeks, you know, a, a little bit yeah, of ramp Yeah, that was surprising period. to me too, the no home, ba- home base. Yeah. And I'm sure they do get together, but I mean, the, the fact that they have been so dominant and that they literally live on the road mm-hmm. over that time span, that was eye-opening to me. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, on to his next point. Something else that I actually, I did not like ask this question as a layup, like, I really assumed that when they have this crazy, brutal schedule, they're going back to back to back, that at some point his job is just keeping these guys patched together mm-hmm. and just trying to, like, maintain. But he was like, no. <laughs> He's like, our guys get faster and stronger over the over the course of the season. Yeah. Which I'm just like, how? Yeah. Um, but I thought what he said was really telling. It's um, and I have it written down here, but, you know, basically it's it's when you start maintaining is when you start deconditioning. Mm-hmm. And in his perspective, like that's when injuries happen. Yeah. You had you had something on that as well. I don't want to steal. I your think thunder. I basically just had that. Okay. Um, I, I think I have what he ri- had written down. But I have so <laughs> many notes on this one, which is like it was sh- the shortest one we've done, but I had. Probably the most notes. It was a quick hitter. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I just said t- players typically continue to get better over the season rather than lose fitness because re- recovery is such a focus. Is that what I... Yeah, but... And, and that brings me, you know, kind of like, okay, that's uh, a really interesting... Oh, wait, no. That's not what you wanted me to say. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. Hold on. 
Okay, go ahead, please. As we wait on bated breath. Sorry, no, talk about something else. I'll, I'll, I'll find it. No There's problem. so many notes. I have so many notes. I know, I know. So many things were interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, you're fired up about this. Yeah. Um, okay, so what I thought was interesting is he said, look, understandably, if we just get off a crazy flight and the guys have only had four hours of sleep, I'm not going to go in there and kill them. And as you lift the finger at me, tell me you found your point, but I'm not going to kill the guys unnecessarily, but that doesn't mean at some point throughout that week, like, are we going to like do some really high intensity activities? Now he said that understandably, like they might dial back the volume, you know, they might not do as many sets, as many reps, but by keeping that intensity high, that's one way that they continue to progress. The other thing, and I'm going to come back to your point because I know you're (laughs) chomping at the bit. I mean, it's basically what you just said. So it's not, it's, oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Go for it. No, please. Oh, no, I lost it again. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to keep going. (laughs) It's as soon as you pull back, you start to lose conditioning and get hurt. Ah, yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. But you know, and, and the thing that he said that went hand in hand with that too, is the importance of frequency. So, Mm -hmm. you know, people might listen to that and be like, how on earth do those guys put their bodies through that much, that much travel, jet lagged, yeah. completely out of sorts and still get better. He said something that I thought was was really important is that the frequency piece of it is really critical. Now, I'm not killing, we're not, you know, we might squat three times a week. I'm not killing them each time. Yeah. But just that sheer frequency is, is how you get growth. Um, so I don't know. That's something that I'm going to take into my own workouts a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, my travel is uh, from our bedroom down to the basement, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I might be uh, a little more apt after this conversation to uh, do certain exercises a bit more frequently, but just reduce the intensity and volume. Yeah. Same for you. Great plan. Same. <laughs> Same. Totally. Same. Do you know what he also said that I was like, oh, it's kind of like a dig at American football players. Oh, sure. He was like, he was like, <laughs> most of our guys... All right, wait. <laughs> they yeah, they run like uh, yeah, yeah. M- multiple kilometers. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, kilometers. no. They're like three hundred pounds. Yeah, but they could actually run. Oh, that was a little bit of a dig. Yeah, a little bit of a dig. Yeah, was, I was like, players. oh, oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, two different, completely different sports. But uh, some of those guys are savages. There, there's an awesome. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, there's an awesome documentary um, or a series rather that they did on Amazon. Um, uh, the name's escaping me. Uh, they did one on the University of Michigan as well. They did a couple like the Dallas Cowboys. Anyways, great one on the All Blacks if, if you want to uh, learn a bit more about the team and just kind of like what that travel schedule actually looks like. I had a lot of fun watching that. Yeah. But uh, you know what? And I'm not going to make excuses, but I, I didn't feel that sharp during that episode. And there's oh. <laughs> there's one thing that I really regret, and I know that you caught it. And I wrote it down. It's the last <laughs> yeah. thing I have on my notes. Okay. Please. At the end, when you're talking about is avocado trees. Yeah. You and when you were searching for it, I wanted to like just put the word in your head, I listening know. to it. I know. You were trying to say avocado aficionado. That's exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> and it was. I was like, even before <laughs> you started talking, I was like, oh, he's gonna say that because I just know what you're gonna say. Yeah. He's gonna say that he's an avocado aficionado. And then when you couldn't find the words, I was like. I hurt for you. (laughs) So that conversation was so interesting. I enjoyed it so much. When I couldn't get that, I walked downstairs and I was actually bummed. I know. You were bummed. I was like, I think I ruined the whole interview. And you're like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I just, it's not a big deal. And that's what you were referring to? I was pretty upset that I couldn't pull avocado aficionado out. (laughs) 
<laughs> has such a nice ring to it. <laughs> I know. We, yeah, we it should. It was a gimme. We should see if someone's already taken that. Uh, yeah. Not that we need it for that anything, was, but. <laughs> that was a layup. Um, but yeah, yeah, we need a new show. Avocado aficionados? No, I, I'm just now switching topics without uh, oh, okay. <laughs> any, any lead in. I mean, I like avocados, but I don't know if I'm an aficionado. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Hey, hey, What's our new show? Let's. Well, you know what? Uh, we're into the marvelous Miss Maisel right now, which is pretty good. Oh, we need a new show to watch on TV. I thought you wanted us to start a new show. Oh, you want to do something else? I, I thought that's what you wanted. <laughs> so I, and I, I thought you wanted to call it avocado aficionados. <laughs> Uh, no, but he should actually start one. He and his wife sounds like they have an awesome thing going over there. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's wrap this up. Cause I'm losing my mind today. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry for you. It's okay. I got nothing left in the tank. Uh, <laughs> but I think I teased this in the intro. We've got some new Brandon coming out. Mm, we sure do. Some new, uh, a new logo. Uh, the <laughs> website's going to be updated. So stay tuned for that. And we've also got some good conversations coming down the pike. I think we are close to getting our follow-up conversation uh, with Dr. Alex, who is going to talk uh, body fat with us, mm-hmm. which is great. How do you feel like you're doing on your goals so far? On my body fat goals? Yeah. I'm actually curious to see where I'm at now, but should, I, I, yeah, think, I think it's definitely lower. Yeah, I think mine is too. Yeah. And I'm really making a big push to eat healthy, uh, even more so these yeah. next few weeks. I went on a bit of a rampage last week. What was it last week? Yeah, but you did the fast. But yeah, it was coming off my fast. I know. I didn't transition out of it gracefully like I did the first time. Well, I think you went so hardcore. Well, you told me I looked too skinny and I was like, oh, I better eat all the cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's my fault. Uh, But no, you already looked fantastic. And I think this five day fast, like you got really thin. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much. Because yeah, you're not, you know, you don't have much to lose to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that you have any, let me clarify. (laughs) Whoa. Everyone is listening, saying, stop, Ken. (laughs) Um, but no, I am also trying to cut weight because February 12th may, I don't know. I guess people will know about that. It'll, it'll be live before then. I'm going to attempt to break that world record officially. You know what? If, and when I do, We'll do a full episode on it. When you do. But yeah, thank you. Because the path to breaking this record has been a bit more difficult than I thought. There has been some yeah. unforeseen uh, obstacles. That episode's just going to be you talking talking, and, and me being like, yeah, mm-hmm, that, that happened. That, that's no, what happened next. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's never like that. Um, so that'll be a good one. We'll do that one too. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully when I have some good news to share. But anyways, I'm cutting weight, trying to get lighter. Easier to get yourself over the bar when you weigh less. Yeah. Just a fact. And, Every pound know, counts. And uh, summer's not that far away, and I want to look great. So, <laughs> all right, folks. Well, Mosquitoes. thank you. Yeah, no. <laughs> thank you for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed this one. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you next week. See you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.